This is the On Blast Podcast NFL Picks Edition. My name is Sheldon Alexander. Once again, I'm joined by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell. How are you doing as we talk about week 14? I can't believe we're here. I'm it good. Is week 14. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, they get you get sort of lost in the 13, 14, 15. When is it 17? Wait, that's not the last week of the season anymore. That's 18. Oh, God, that's going to be crazy. That's in the middle of January at this point. Yeah, a lot going on. We got bowl season uh, upon us here. Sunday night, Monday was an absolute zoo trying to get numbers down and bets down for bowl season. So uh, are we a little unprepared today? Maybe a little bit, but we're going to talk this out. And honestly, I get more from this episode just from talking these games out because, you know, I think if you, know, you just do it sort of at home with your friends or or with your family, even if they don't want to hear from you necessarily, <laughs> I think talking out these games helps a lot. It certainly has helped out me um, once I've kind of gotten into this industry the last few years. It has definitely helped me for sure, as what we do here for the people that might be brand new to this, the podcast, that is the On Blast podcast. That is the NFL Picks podcast. What we do here is I try to come out, give a pick on one side, name my price, name my line, name which side I'm leaning here. My guy, Matt Russell, comes in and gives us the information and education on where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going heading in to kickoff and we talked this out in terms of me trying to figure out which side i'm on matt's gonna talk me out of picks talk me into picks all that fun stuff and you mentioned it the point of this pod it's been a beautiful ride so far as we head into week 14 a nine and six week last week season total 107 79 and nine against the spread this season for the sheldon says picks and this i mean being able to talk this out with you my dude has been such a blessing just because for me, there's reasons why I'm going to be on certain games, but then there's always a little nuggets. And that's what I'm always here for. The little nuggets that'll be like, oh, yep, that's it. Changing my picks, changing my <laughs> picks. And I appreciate that. And hopefully the people that have been along for the ride with this pod have appreciated that as well. As we get into the week 14 picks, as always, we start on Thursday night football. We got the Raiders at the Rams. Raiders, six-point favorites in L.A. And <laughs> six points on the road laying. Like, this is what happens after you beat the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Chargers being the Chargers. Here we are. Or maybe it's just a matter of they're playing the Rams. And wait, is that Baker Mayfield's oh, music oh, no. I hear now? Oh, no. <laughs> what's, oh, what's going on here? But here we are. And what Raiders... would that sound like exactly? What would Baker Mayfield's music actually it's be? Right? definitely like... Hulk Hogan's I Am A Real American. Oh, okay. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> definitely. I was going to suggest like bagpipes or something. Like all of a sudden just, you know, and Baker would be the one playing them because like somehow Baker knows how to play uh the bagpipes all right let's talk about this football game let's get back on track here yes, yeah i don't know we're gonna start a quarterback and apparently the prop market doesn't either right i wrote my prop and, article today and it's like yeah you can't really touch on anything when it comes to the rams because we don't know what the rams are bringing to the table from a personnel standpoint right we know obviously the stars are still out but they still managed to cover that game last week against the seahawks which 
was that one that like throughout the week sort of became kind of snowballed as far as like, yeah, you know, like maybe the Rams are probably just the right side in this game. Like seven for the Seahawks on the road seems like a lot. And honestly, I'm kind of looking at it the same way here with the Raiders. Now, obviously, maybe it's because of the fact that the Seahawks uh, didn't cover that game, or of course the Rams covered, like why this number is six and six and a half and kind of teetering on that, why we haven't seen it go to the full seven, because that game ended up closing, I believe, at six and a half on the weekend. So you look at from a rating standpoint, is there much difference between the Raiders and the Seahawks? The answer is like, not really. And we literally right. saw them play two weeks ago and went touchdown for touchdown all the way into overtime. So it's not like we have to stretch to think that those two teams, you know, are pretty similar, both really, you know, offensive oriented, horrific defensively. Uh, the Raiders are 20, no, sorry. They are 32nd and dead last in opponent passer rating, right? So for drop back passers, they're going to have a ton of success against the Raiders offensively. Problem is we don't know if we're getting a drop back passer in certainly Baker Mayfield, John Wolford, uh, Bryce Perkins, who isn't that drop back passer, right? Like he obviously brings a different sort of element to the table. All that is to say, like, I just don't really like anything when it comes to this game as far as the point spread. I don't even really want the money line all that much. Like I'm sort of looking <laughs> at it going like plus 200 for a team that was like pretty into that game. But you know what? You gave up 360 passing yards to Geno Smith. Now I know Geno Smith is having a really good season and all of that. This might be a situation here where you, again, Listen, you shouldn't listen to me when it comes to totals or whatever, but this might be one where both teams can move the ball pretty effectively, right? The Rams have a good run defense. This isn't necessarily the game for Josh Jacobs. I wrote about that for the score. This is going to be one where Derek Carr, who is not going to see Aaron Donald, you know, right in his face the entire time, is going to be able to pick apart the Rams secondary in the same way that Smith did. But honestly, I think the Rams are going to be able to put together a few drives as well. And so you've got a total in this game of 44 and a half which, you know, is about average, right? It's not a super low total that you would expect from, you know, a, a Rams offense that is kind of honestly as bad as as it, as any teams in the league up until this point in the season. But when they play bad defenses, you know, things might get a little bit easier. We've seen them have backdoor, you know, final touchdown of the game potential a few weeks ago against the Cardinals. So again, that's another reason why I'd be a little bit afraid of the Raiders kind of, you know, taking the Raiders to get out a little yeah. bit. And, you know, one last thing on the Raiders, right? I had one of our, a uh, long-time listener is really uh, good uh, listener, Jeff. He uh, always has really good questions, always has, um, you know, interesting things to say. And he and he sent me a DM and he's like, well, what's going on with this Chargers Raiders line? Because we saw after you and I talked about it, we talked about it was one and a half for the Chargers. Of course, mm -hmm. we have this conversation on Wednesdays that, you know, we get the Wednesday practice report, which is often hit or miss. And then the Thursday and Friday practice reports are the far more legit ones. And Corey Lindsley, the center for the Chargers, right? Longtime Packer. They sign him, you know, free agency, blah, blah, blah. And he's out. And it looked pretty clear throughout the week that he wasn't going to be able to come back from concussion protocol. And then they also had another, you know, at this point, they're all backup offensive tackles. But another offensive tackle get hurt. And so, you know, the splits for when the Chargers are without Lindsley were really bad. And yeah. you could see money coming in on the Raiders because two things are going to move lines, right? Injury information and money. And so money and in for injury information was kind of coming in throughout the week. And that's what flipped it to two and a half. Now, my response in that DM was, I'm happy to take plus eight and a half in a teaser with the Chargers. <laughs> and that ended up getting there with a seven point win. But like, just know that that move and then that and that victory and them sort of shutting down the Chargers offense 
had a lot more to do with the fact that the Chargers are incredibly inefficient when Corey Lindsley is not in there. So that had less to do with like the Raiders being awesome all of a sudden, you know, obviously overtime wins against the Broncos and the Seahawks. I mean, there's only so much sort of credit you're going to give them in the market. But again, this is probably just a team that's kind of around league average, probably a little bit below average and you factor in the defense, which is exactly where the Seahawks are, which is, you know, exactly where the Rams are. Now, as far as the Rams are concerned, one last thing here. I know I think I just said one last thing. <laughs> um, you know, we saw the Rams go into that Seahawks game with incredibly depressed rating, right? We talked about how it was four, and then all of a sudden it was seven because a bunch, you know, all the rating got dropped down so high, so lowly uh, when Aaron Donald got knocked, taken out of the game, or you know, injured throughout the week. And so we, you know, we went we went too far essentially with the Rams rating. So my market rating in this is seven, seven and a half. But that's because we went too far with the Rams last week. So my more appropriate rating is around six. So I think the, the number is fair. But I just think matchup-wise, maybe there's a chance here that the Rams move the ball pretty well. And so I'd be a little bit worried about laying with laying the uh, six points here with the Raiders. Yeah, I just think it's a lot of points for the Raiders to be laying on the road against anybody. And the Rams might figure out to be anybody in this position. Yeah. But with that said, still, you know, solid game plan, be able to just keep it close. You're not asking them to win, just asking them to keep it close. No problem. Sounds like a plan to me. I'm on the Rams plus the six points. Uh, keep things moving here with the Jets at the Bills. Sunday action. Bills at home and favored by nine and a half points. I know the Bills have looked really good the last couple of weeks. The Mike White era stalled a little bit of mini but they were still right there with the chance to win that game i just think this is too many points for the buffalo bills i like the jets defense a lot and i like betting on good defenses i mean especially when we're talking about covering basically double digits um and i think mike white is serviceable enough to cover a nine and a half point spread i mean i get how close it is a fine margin of nine and a half to ten but i just like the jets keep it close plus nine and a half let's roll uh, I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to try to talk you out of it. Okay, let's go. Let's uh, go. It was what four weeks ago where Josh Allen got hurt in this game, uh, at New York. You'll remember that line opened around 12. I think it ended up closing 10 and a half, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just do that real quick. 10 and a half on the road and now nine and a half at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Like okay. Okay. that suggest you know, a 10 and a half on the road suggests we should be looking at something closer to 13 and a half or 14. Now you're going to say it's Mike White, not Zach, uh, not Zach Wilson. I would say to you, we only really know of Mike White, obviously from his, you know, first little stint there that he had that was, you know, up and down that we showed that he can get the ball out. He can get the ball in the correct places. He can take advantage of a bad defense. And he did that against the Chicago bears. And he did that in the second half against the mm -hmm. Minnesota Vikings. So it was a little disappointing at the start. And we can get to the Jets' defense in the first half of that game as well. That was disappointing uh, as well. So I'm looking at that going, okay, like, if the Jets, you know, the Jets have a great defense, like, that's cool. But we're not talking about, like, the number one defense. We're not talking about sort of like a, you know, top in the last five years type of defense. And in mm -hmm. this NFL, it's really hard to rely on just kind of a good defense against a really good offense in the Buffalo Bills. Meanwhile, let's look at the Buffalo Bills defense here for a second, right? And everybody gets worried because Vaughn Miller is out. And then we watch the game on Thursday. And you just watch the game and you just take in the talent that the Bills still have 
on their defensive line, right? And it's like Oliver and Epinesa, like this guy and that guy, whatever. You're like, this is a team that like has all these dudes and Von Miller. Like sometimes you forget like that the Bills are just bleeping loaded, right? On and honestly on both sides of the ball, but certainly on the defensive side of the ball. Schedule standpoint, when was the last time the Bills even played a home game? Right, because they <laughs> they had to move the game to Detroit, their last yeah. home game. Then they played again in Detroit. Then they go on the road on a you know it was a first a short week and then a regular week, but the week was weird because it was Thursday to Thursday. Now they've got the extra week and a half here. They head home to actually play at home, and the Jets and Mike White, who have just played Chicago's defense and Minnesota's defense, two of the worst defenses in the league, are now playing outdoors potential you know we got some cold weather here we got some potential wind etc cetera, etc cetera. and not a very good run game at this point or maybe they would have actually ran the ball or snuck the ball in from the one yard line which like i'm i'd like to say i'm just getting over right now but i'm absolutely not getting over the jets not <laughs> scoring from the one yard line and not even sneaking it one time let alone the three to four times that they could have done that but I digress. The point is, is that this is the worst spot yet for the Jets, right? And everybody's sort of looking at the, the Zach Wilson getting pulled before the sort of two easiest games of the season. And mm-hmm. those two easy games happened. And yeah, Mike White looked pretty good. And that's what's resulted in this line going from what would have been 13 and a half two, three, four weeks ago to all of a sudden nine and a half. And it feels like a lot of points. And it might feel like a lot of points until we get there. And then all of a sudden, the offense isn't moving the same way as it was against the Vikings and the Bears. And the Bills offense is looking a lot better than any of the Jets, you know, offenses that they've been, you know, going up against to this point. And so I just look at it and I go like, yeah, I get why people would be interested in the Jets, you know, theoretically. But like, this is also a team who's making decisions like not sneaking the ball on the one yard <laughs> line on first and goal from the one where even if you don't get it for the first couple of times, the other team at least gets to burn or has to burn timeouts. And instead you're throwing balls to Braxton Berrios and doing the, all kinds of crazy bleep at the goal line. So like we can get excited about the Jets being sort of better than this tier. That's why we that's why we give these teams ratings, right? Okay, they're better than a 45 team. They're better than a 40 team, et cetera, et cetera. But are they going to play to within essentially one score of arguably the best team in the league? The team that literally up until last week was rated the highest, got a sort of rating drop down going into that Patriots game as that game was only three and a half. And then what happened there? They just dominated and we go, oh, wait a minute. The Bills are actually the best team in this league. And so this to me, like you have to suck it up and lay the points here. But this to me feels like one of those Bills games. And you know the Bills, right? Ultimate bullies. And that's not that sort of like, you know, backhanded compliment. This is Mm -hmm. legit. Like when they get on top of teams, they step on them. And this is one of those situations that I think we're going to see the Bills absolutely truck a team this week. I'm going to do this. This is what I'm doing here. We did it. We're changing the pick. We're changing the pick. And here's what it is. Here is the reasoning why. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned as we've continued to do this podcast for I don't know how many years now because the whole last two years have been a blur and everything, right. including like, wasn't there one year we did it and I got COVID and we like, yeah, you, most of the season, like the, end, almost the back died. end of the season. Yes. Yeah. Like that was a thing that actually happened. <laughs> so how long we've been doing this pod, I'm not really sure. But the point that I'm trying to make is that 
one of the biggest things that I've come to realize is the importance of the number. And I know that that sounds obvious here. I know it does. But the importance and the difference, which I said in the intro, was knowing the difference between nine and a half and ten. And I already said that I was kind of iffy on the nine and a half to ten, but I understand the difference in that. And with that said, that plus what you've just said has convinced me to go with the Bills and lay the nine and a half points because I do see them winning by 10. I could see that. Like I'd be very upset if they won this game by 10. And really, what does that mean? It means 20 to 10. It means 30 to 20. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a very they can plausible 30 outcome. in this game. They can, of course. They, you know, and you can tell me the Jets that couldn't penetrate the Vikings red zone defense mm-hmm. for basically any touchdowns, you know, five for five on field goals on trips to the red zone. Like very cool. But like, yeah, it's not going to be wide open spaces the way that Mike White was finding uh, Garrett Wilson last week. Uh, at least, you know, I'd like to think it isn't. <laughs> Definitely. We'll see how that this game turns out for sure. Eagles minus seven on the road against the New York football giants. The Eagles just keep rolling. Thought they'd be in tough last week against the Titans. Didn't really go so well. Nope. Titans got rolled. Giants, meanwhile, coming off a game against a football team, which I was going to say the Giants blew, but maybe the football team blew as they ended in a tie. I don't know. I'm rolling with the Eagles here, and I will settle with the push at seven. I don't like the number, but the Giants just last week, they just seem like an abomination. Like that game was the epitome of understanding the class difference between two of the NFC East teams and then the other two <laughs> NFC East teams. <laughs> the JV right? version. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So give me the Eagles. I'll lay this the touchdown. And I don't really like it because it's a lot of points to lay on the road, but this is more just like the Eagles are are the Eagles right now. <laughs> and the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. I got a decision to make on this. Um, I grabbed I grabbed minus six and a half with the Eagles mm-hmm. on just the idea that like it's this is going up. That being said, the market number for this probably should be something closer to five and a half. And I say that knowing that the Eagles were sort of undervalued last week, right? And I knew that, but then I looked at, you know, you look at the matchup and you go, okay, the Titans are going to be able to run the football and like all that sort of thing. And they just, you know, couldn't, right? And again, just brings us back to the fact that the Titans were just kind of never really that good. And you had a couple of good games and you had a couple of good matchups and all of that sort of thing. But like, it's another, it's another class type situation. So, you know, I'm grabbing that minus six and a half and it goes up to seven. That's where I would have this rated with a readjustment of the Eagles kind of back up to where I think they should be. And you'll, um, you know, if you're really locked in on the industry and all of that kind of thing, you will see actual real power ratings being published, not the, you know, stupid power rankings that like certain companies do um i will say though out of sheer comedic value i do enjoy Stevens a list not because it's like it's not to be taken seriously but just like the entertainment value of what they're doing is hilarious all of it is clickbait and the idea that people are going to argue about it and you're going yeah. to get you're going to get the attention of that and all of that sort of thing right but team x is definitely not getting favored on against team y on a neutral right and yeah, so yeah, yeah the Eagles here sort of being where they are below the Cowboys in ratings, right? Like that's up to people to decide when those two teams play, whether that's fair or not. 
right? Yeah. And like you can pick any game you want. To, and honestly, when it comes to the Cowboys, any half of a game or even a quarter of a game that you want to sort of decide whether you think, you know, one thing is fair or, or another. So I'm looking forward to that game down the line. But all that is to say, like the Eagles are still kind of only rated around the fourth or fifth best team in the NFL. Obviously, that's still a quite a bit of a tier ahead of the Giants. Now that we're at seven, like I think we're supposed to be betting on the Giants here under the idea of the sort of home divisional dog type of, you know, deal here. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of have to decide whether I'm going to stick with my minus six and a half. If this goes up to seven and a half, which like it could, because obviously, you know, we any given week, the Eagles take a fair amount of money, certainly as we get closer to kickoff. It's going to be a decision for me whether I want Giants plus seven, whether I want if I can get Giants plus seven and a half to maybe just go for the middle here. But I would find it a little bit hard to believe that I'm going to make this some sort of like major bet that I need to make or sort of a contest play. But then again, who knows what happens by the time Saturday rolls around. Um, not going to talk you out of Philadelphia minus seven necessarily, but I think the Giants are the one that I'm probably leaning to. Yeah, and this is another one here where I'm blatantly admitting if this is at seven and a half, there's a there's a heavier chance that I'm on the Giants in this situation. Sure. It's more just confidence in the Eagles, and hey, if they win by seven, I'll take the push. If they lose, meaning lose mm -hmm. because it's seven and a half, I'm okay with that. I would make the bet again just on the Eagles and what they've been doing as opposed to the Giants and um. What's the the like uh, fairy tales we've been being sold to the Giants for a lot of this season, if that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, speaking of fairy tales, though, another team with a very great record in the Minnesota Vikings who are heading into Detroit. And I know I feel like a lot of people are going to look at this line and they're probably surprised at the line that the Lions are favored by two and a half and mm -hmm. i messed up this key here which i'm going to change here <laughs> on the fly let's get which is funny because the no, control no, no. room on it control room on it control room making errors control room on the fly you know that's what happens here when you have uh operations running just from our crack staff here Listen, but anyways you need a professional font uh ad like neil Matias to come in and uh, get things done here <laughs> shout out to our guy <clears throat> Sorry, so, <laughs> there's so much I want to say there, and I'm just going to let that one go. Vikings at Lions, <laughs> Lions favored by two and a half. And I know there's a lot of people probably surprised at this line, that the Lions are favored. So I'm going to ask you where this line started, mm -hmm. but I'm going to say that me just looking at this line for what it is in the moment, I do like the Lions at home. I think they play better at home. We've seen that throughout this season. I also think the Vikings do not play better on the road. That has been a thing that we've also seen this season. Uh, Lions won, what, four or five? It's under a field goal, mm -hmm. which, again, is a huge, huge thing for me here, right? So at two and a half, I'm cool taking the Lions as I just see this being a field goal game, but I really like the Lions here. So the look-ahead number was three, and I referenced that only to only to sort of say, like, the longer the season has gone, the more people are sort of catching up to the idea that the Vikings just aren't really that good. And again, a bunch of future bets, you know, sprayed around on the Vikings. I'm going to have good value on those when we get to the playoffs, but it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily confident in any of those actually doing anything. <laughs> um The number here, once it got reopened on Sunday, was around one and one and a half. And then, and I looked at that and I was like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on the, the Lions 
And I thought to myself briefly, am I going to wait and see if this gets like kicked up towards the Vikings? But like the Vikings don't really take money anymore. We had this conversation conversation about the Jets last week going like, is there any chance the, the, the Vikings go over three to three and a half? And the answer is like, no, nah, never really <laughs> came close. We were happy to be able to get a minus 110 on the Jets at plus three, even though that bet lost, you get over you get 199 yards more than the other team in the NFL. Like we're not talking about college football here. We're talking about the NFL. If you have almost 200 more yards than the other team, like the Jets did against the Vikings, you should not only cover plus three, but you should win that game outright and do so relatively handily. Correct. Now, we, as you've mentioned, this line has shifted and then people are like, what? How can the Lions be you know, favored here? But the reality is like, yeah, the Lions have moved up in ratings. And the Vikings have steadily moved down. Now, has it gone a little too far? I would have to say, yeah, it kind of has. And people are getting maybe a little bit too excited about the Lions. But the offense, like you said, at home does hum. And it does. Like, I can't believe I'm saying it. But, like, there's some confidence when Jared Goff drops back to pass that he's going to hit the crossing route to Amon Ross St. Brown. That... You know, I wrote last week about DeAndre Swift in the player prop in my player props article. Like now that he's off the injury report, his usage goes from here's five carries to keep you healthy and a couple of passes to all of a sudden here's like eight to ten targets in the passing game and ten to fifteen carries. And like I'm here to tell you, DeAndre Swift is a very good football player, right? There are people in roles similar to him that aren't very good football players. They are just in really good roles. He is the opposite. He should have a bigger role. And I think he's going to get a bigger role. And so I immediately bet the Lions on the money line. At, you know, it's plus one. Some money line is round even. Then I woke up, what, on Monday or Tuesday or it wasn't that, you know, wasn't that long after. And it's like, oh, God, it's up to two and a half. If this goes to three, there's a case to be made for a Vikings team that, of like, whatever, however you want to say it, like, yeah, the metrics suck when you take into account their defense over the course of an entire game. But if the red zone defense is going to be good and the red zone offense is really good. So when they get their chances to score, they put up sevens and not threes. Like that's what they do. And sometimes when we talk about metrics and we try to evaluate these teams, we do it on a yards per play basis because that's encompassing all of the plays and how you do when you snap the ball and the EPA per play metrics and all of that sort of thing. But man, when it comes down to winning football games, getting sevens instead of threes and getting threes instead of punts or sacks out of field goal range or, or converting fourth downs, like the high leverage plays that the Vikings continue to win and honestly probably should still win offensively against the Lions defense that's getting better, but still not particularly good. Yeah. If we got to three, like that would probably be be a bit a bridge too far for me so i know i'm not really being all that helpful because i'm telling you like yeah i got this lions you know ticket at basically even money for them to win and i'll probably just kind of stick with that but man if this gets to three like there's just no real explanation for it market number is a pick em with like maybe the vikings being a small favorite and again that's a market that doesn't like the vikings all that much my ratings that likes the lions maybe more than the market has because i've been on them a couple of times here over the last couple of weeks has them as about a one point favorite it's like slightly less than a one point favorite so again get the two and a half here a little too far Plus three on the Vikings would be interesting. And of course, even though it could get a little hectic, could get a little high scoring, get a little out of control, 
plus eight and a half in a teaser leg is probably a decent spot here for the Vikings. Ooh, okay. Okay. Very interesting game here. And I'm assuming there's going to be a lot more line movement between now and when kickoff happens on Sunday. Uh, speaking of Sunday, of course, there are more football games on the way, including the Browns at the Bengals. Bengals at home favored by six points. And the Browns offense with the QB that I will continue to not name looked like trash last week versus the Texans. Yes, I will say that again, the Texans. They're able to win, but their offense did look like trash. But again, my guy hasn't played football, like live football in two years. So it might take some time. Maybe eventually they'll be good. But I don't think it's going to be against the Bengals and the Bengals defense, which has just been looking awesome so far. I mean, I mean, the last little bit of a run, and we talked about it last week about what they've been able to do to slow Patrick Mahomes, slow Patrick Mahomes, right? Like we know what that means. And, you know, a little less than a field goal. I mean, I don't know, or sorry, a little more than a field goal. Give me the Bengals laying six points. I like that. I'm I'm not mad at that at all. I just think that if you're looking at these two teams here, the Browns as a it's got to be such a weird position to figure mm -hmm. out what exactly you have in your QB and what that means for your offensive game plans week in and week out. Right. And this is just a tough go, a divisional matchup against the Bengals. I'll lay the six points with the Bengals at home. Yeah, and and you are not you're not alone in this sort of theoretically the line opened i think it actually there might have been some three and a half some fours but like more sort of commonly there were four and a halves and okay. those got gobbled up i even grabbed some yeah yeah, yeah. vegas own <laughs> because you know like my number says it should be kind of five and a half and so mm -hmm. obviously once everybody kind of piles in grabs all the fours and four and a halves you're going to kind of shoot all the way up to six because you're kind of tired of taking money on honestly the better team here in the Bengals. Mm -hmm. problem is we have to look at this game like we look at all the games right and it's like easy easy to say and by the way like what a great handicap of that browns texans game right like watson i'll say his name because we have to talk about him watson yeah, yeah, yeah he shows up and how awkward is that for him because like maybe he didn't know that he was being a perv right and maybe he didn't think he was doing anything wrong but once you find out even in the sort of, you know, giving him sort of the benefit of the doubt here, once he finds out, and who knows whether he actually believes this or not, but once he finds out that he did something wrong, the first game back is the place where he did all of those things wrong in, a, in front of the people who now hate him, right down to the victims that were, you know, in the crowd, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, you'd have to be even a bigger psychopath to, like, be able to handle that in a really easy sort of professional way. So... What a great handicap in thinking that Watson was going to have a bad game and the Browns offense was going to be, you know, let's use a fun term here, discombobulated. Let's, let's, you know, we look at it, we go, they scored six points, right? But because the Texans are the Texans, like imagine the Jets game and the Texans game happening at the same time in our lives and the world not exploding on its access and everybody being sort of, you know, the world being over because those two games were painful when it came to teams that should have covered not covering. But if you're going to give a punt return touchdown, you're going to give a stupid fumble on a sneak to get more yardage off of your own one yard line. Like this wasn't even a play of like, you know, a, a, a coverage situation or, 
you know, a, a pass rush getting to a quarterback, like a sneak, theoretically the safest play that you were going to make, right? And it and it goes the, so far wrong that it couldn't have gone any wronger. And then a little screen pass that gets deflected up in the air and taken back. Like it wasn't a guy jumping a road or a or drop pass or anything like that. Like three and honestly, the punt return. When do we ever see punt return touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are three of the flukiest plays you can even imagine out there. So like forget winning the game outright for the Texans. Like they probably should have covered that game. So it's very easy to go, man, you know, we're not hiding secrets here, unlike some quarterbacks. Like, we're not going, oh, yeah, nobody saw that the Browns were terrible on offense. Like, nobody knows. It's like, yeah, we all know that the Browns were terrible on offense. Thing is, like, they've played 12 other games, 11 other games this season. We do have to judge them a little bit on the other games that have been played. We have to judge them on the idea that, like, okay, they're not going home necessarily, but they're going to a pretty comfortable matchup that they have had success in. So I have to compare the Browns in this game, not to the day, the game that they played last week, which was this just inherently bizarre game. I have to compare them to past games against the Bengals and how that defense that like might be shaky from time to time has done well against Burrow and company. Now, yeah, Jamar Chase wasn't in that last matchup. I totally understand that. But like there were games before that against this team. By the way, like you also at least have that game under your belt, right? You at least go, okay, like what plays worked, what didn't? And you watched Watson just spiking balls into the turf on a lot of those uh, attempts. I think he's going to be a little bit better in this game. And so now that we're up to six here, again, on a line that should be about five and a half, you're getting a hair of value. You're getting a push if this game goes to overtime. And honestly, the Browns against the Bengals have kind of shown nothing but an ability to beat them outright, right? And so I know why the line went from four and a half to six, because it was three and a half in Cleveland, you know, four weeks ago, five weeks ago. So yeah, it has to be six, but it doesn't mean that we have to bet the Bengals just because it has to be six or because minus four and a half was good value. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to be on the Browns here plus six. I'm going to come back over the top on my minus four and a half, and I'm going to grab the Browns plus six. I'm hoping to get even money with the Browns plus six, just for sort of a mathematical thing for my my own sort of balance sheet here, so that I'm not laying that much juice on the plus six, which would effectively be plus six and a half, because if it lands on a push, right, I push my Browns bet, but I win my Bengals bet. So all that is to say, I think the Browns are live to win this game, because again, We still don't have any certainty with regards to how Watson is going to play because we have, if you have all the excuses or reasons for why Watson isn't going to play well against Houston, then once those get removed, you kind of have to give him some on-field football credit here for being able to play better than people think. And I think Mm -hmm. right now people are assuming he's going to play as badly as he did last week and are removing the idea of, defensive touchdowns and punt returns which they should but i just think that you're going to get better effort out of him there and by the way like Bengals brought it pretty hard last week against the kansas city chiefs right and kudos to them they executed everything that they wanted to do they got a little bit lucky on a scramble by mahomes that was ended up being a sack on a sort of a shoestring tackle and of course travis kelsey with his first fumble all season well timed on that trav um, but you know, to come back back to back weeks here and maybe think that you're having a relatively easy opponent, even though they shouldn't think that they've obviously been beaten a couple of times here in recent memory by the Browns. I think it's going to be a really close game. And I think the Browns are live to win this game. 
super interesting stuff for sure. Maybe not as interesting, but hey, we're here to talk about all the games. We've got the Jags at the Titans. Titans at home, favored by four points. And we talked about the Jags who jagged last week, right? Yeah. Like as everyone wants to be on the Jags, all of a sudden they're in Detroit. We sniffed that one out as a Jags wet yeah. jag as mentioned. But the Titans, they were beaten down by Philly. I like the Jags here for the sole reason of this being over a field goal. And it's it's tough for me, though, because I can easily be talked into the Titans because this could just be the bounce back for them. You know, like last week, we might have saw the weight class that you, you talk about the ratings and where the ratings are at. And maybe, you know, just an adjustment. The Eagles weren't as high as they should be, but maybe the Titans were a little higher than they should be. And they're coming back down and, you know, maybe they're just way better than the Jags. I, I need I need some more info on this here because my early lead is just Jags plus the points. But am I just buying too much into the Jags? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you're not going to get that much from me out of this from <laughs> with regards to like, you know, what you want to do or, or how I can sort of talk you in or out. I will totally say fair. this. Um, look ahead line uh, was four. Opening line was three and a half. That's exactly what I have in my ratings and exactly what the, the market okay. would have. And so I'm sitting there going on Sunday, as I've talked about all these other bets that I've made that have moved sort of in the direction that I would hope that they would go or would expect them to go, even if I don't necessarily even like that side, it opens three and a half and it just stays there. <laughs> so okay. um, there is nothing for me to do. Then, and listen, if you watch that Lions game, one of the all-time amazing returns of anyone is that Trevor Lawrence somehow came back into that game. And honestly, not even that he... 100% that he somehow came back in the game that he was able to walk after the hit that he took. But yeah. like, what are they doing even bringing him back in that game down? I think it was three scores by the time yeah. he came back in that game in the second half. Like, what a horrendous decision. Mm -hmm. And he ends up playing, by and large, the rest of that game. Then we find out today, as of Wednesday, that, oh, he's got a foot injury. Which is a little bit weird because he was grabbing at the knee and so maybe the foot injury came on a completely different play and he somehow was okay i don't i just it's, it's unbelievable weird. that somebody could be okay like writhing on the ground as long as he did like that would that had textbook you know acl out for the season type of a deal like whatever knee ligament you want cart him mm -hmm. off the field and it was halftime and so all of a sudden he just comes back 15 minutes later you're like yeah he's actually walked it off and it's like what <laughs> So all that is to say, why is it for now? Because that news has come out that like, yeah, he does have some latent injury mm -hmm. and didn't necessarily practice on Wednesday. Now, as we talk about all the time, especially this late in the season, does that really matter? And you know, how many guys are missing practice? Yada, yada, yada. I would just say when it comes to the Jags here and wanting to bet the Jags, like, I think there's a latent injury situation there. And whether okay. that means he's not, he just gets sort of, downgraded throughout the week and doesn't play or that when you're going to war with this bet you're going to war with trevor lawrence running around with kind of a bum foot ankle knee whatever's actually going on over there because again watch the clip how on earth is this guy still walking <laughs> around and so you go, yeah okay we don't love the the titans all that much and it's not like there's a ton of great value on this bet especially as it's gone up to four if it goes back to three and a half because lawrence seems to be able to play I think my lean certainly would be to the Titans, but like, I got yeah, there just hasn't been anything on this game for me to be like, to trigger me into one bet or the other. 
other than the idea that like Trevor Lawrence might be Superman or he might be a regular person and might just not be able to play in this game. Well, that's a, it's another just great example of what we do here on the pod, right? We're doing this on Wednesday. We record on Wednesday. Obviously, so much changes between now and Sunday, but it's important to kind of hear the different plausible scenarios that could happen between now and then. Trevor Lawrence could be in, Trevor Lawrence could be out, and who we would like at what number if those things do occur. And by the way, if Lawrence is out and they have to roll with any number of people who aren't Trevor Lawrence... I don't know that the market is going to accurately reflect the downgrade to the next quarterback. Yeah. Right. No, I got you. So like, I mean, let's yeah. talk, I mean, let's look at it, right? Like if we, if you go down to like a 20, mm-hmm. right, what does that make the line here? And we're doing this live. This is wildly yeah. exciting for everybody. I don't even know here. who the Jags backup quarterback would be like, who is on the, Oh no, he came in last week. Right. When Trevor Lawrence was banged up. Yeah. It was, um, his name's escaping me right at the second. But as I'm typing this stuff in, you might want to look that up. I got you, CJ, my guy, CJ Bathard. Yes, that's right. I was like, yeah, (laughs) I was like, 49ers old. old, old My dude. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, so if he's the quarterback, like what's the Jags rating? Is it down to 20? Whereas that's where the Rams went when they lost Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald. If Mm -hmm. if they're a 20, then the line has to be like Tennessee minus nine, right? And I just don't yeah. see the Tennessee Titans being favored by nine if Trevor Lawrence gets uh, ruled out of this game, which means it's probably going to be something like six or seven. And honestly, I think I would take the Titans at that point because I don't want anything to do with your man, uh, Beat Hard. <laughs> what? Poor guy, man. Poor <laughs> Um Speaking of QBs and who might be in and who might be out, yeah. we move on to the Ravens at the Steelers. Steelers at home favored by two and a half points. All the talks circled around whether Lamar Jackson will be in the lineup. Chances are it's looking like he will not be in the lineup. Yeah. We're familiar with Huntley. We, we've seen his work before. Uh, Ravens, though, I've been looking shaky for a couple of weeks, even with Lamar. Steelers have won back-to-back games, but this is where I pause and I say, oh, okay, it's against the Colts and the Falcons, who are, eh, okay. But I feel like I got to take the points here with the Ravens. I just think this will be a field goal type game. And I know, I know, and I get that that means the Steelers could win and I lose this bet. Get that. But I'm still going to roll with the Ravens here just because I feel like the rest of the team, they've been in this position. Like it won't be as crazy as we think it is going from like with Huntley playing. Not that Lamar, not that he's as good as good as Lamar. It's not what I'm saying. But we've seen this before. They've been in the situation before. They know what to do. Yeah. Let's go. Ravens plus two and a half. Yeah. So again, this isn't going to be all that helpful on like, uh, you know, in the front facing sort of way here, right? Because the line opens pits, uh, excuse me, Baltimore minus one on Sunday night. It was, you know, in the look aheads minus four. If you watch Baltimore play and again, who knows what happens if Lamar stays in that game, the offense gets cooking. I imagine maybe we cover our teaser legs on Baltimore minus two and a half. I imagine given the fact that they only gave up nine points defensively, we might've been able to get to 20 on offense and covered the point spread in general. But I think the idea here is that like this Ravens team is kind of just certainly from an offensive side, pretty junky. And Mm -hmm. They might have been better offensively last year. You had your, you know, Hollywood Browns. You had, you know, obviously some more, you know, extra guys there uh, from a wide receiving standpoint. And now you're rolling with Devin Duvernay on like jet sweeps, 
trying to gain like big time yardage. Right. And like Gus Edwards doesn't seem to be like as good as he was before he got hurt, honestly, multiple times since he was at his best. And so I look at this offense and I go, even if the, even if Lamar plays, I kind of like the Steelers in this game. And so I bet uh, them at a little bit better than even money on the money line. And of mm-hmm. course, the announcement comes out. Yeah, Lamar's got this knee thing, and it's more like week to week than it is day to day. And it really looks like Huntley's going to play. And you mentioned we've seen this before. And last year we saw them, and I had to bust out the old 2021 spreadsheets mm-hmm. and look at like how we had those those two guys rated. And Jackson and the Ravens were rated about a 55. And so we've actually had them higher than that this season because the defense has gotten healthier and the defense has improved, even though they've been suspect on the back end, giving up long pass completions and whatnot. But they, you have to remember, they were ravaged with like no secondary last year and, uh, you know, less, you know, they didn't have Roquan Smith, et cetera, et cetera. So we had them rated like a 55 before Lamar Jackson got hurt. And you'll remember they were sort of the playoff team in contention. And then when Huntley came in, the rating, the market rating got knocked down to about a 35. And so they were underdogs in a lot of situations and they never won another game, but all the games that they lost were inside of a field goal, which I don't even have to go back and look to see what the point spreads were. I'm here to tell you, they probably covered all of those games, right? There was one game against the Browns where they got absolutely ruined, but like every other game was like a three point game that they've had Huntley in this, um, you know, yeah. in, in, in under center. So I go, okay, well, how do we adjust for Lamar being out? Because I'm already, I already have to adjust backwards because I just don't see this team being the kind of 60 out of a hundred that we sort of been relying on and hoping that they would. And we watched them play on Monday night, not long ago in new Orleans. We're like, this team's got a chance like this super bowl contender. And then, you know, you see sort of like a sleepy 13 to three game against Carolina and like the world's sleepiest game last week. And so I go, okay, well, how are we going to change this rating? Because they're not a 60 anymore. They weren't even really a 60 if Lamar was going to play. They're not a 35 because the defense has improved. So like, again, all of this is kind of educated guest type stuff. I still kind of have to keep them below average with Tyler Huntley. So I'm going to put them at about a 46. Okay. And a 46 comes out to Pittsburgh minus two and a half. <laughs> so you go, okay. Like, you know, it's sort of like, oh, yep. No, that's exactly correct in the market. As in everybody sort of agrees with me, if you will, that Baltimore's ratings around minus two and a half or, or, or results in sort of a, of a Steelers minus two and a half point spread. But then you have to talk about the Steelers. And like, at what point do we start upgrading the Steelers here? And as much as we say like, yeah, they only beat this team and they only beat that team. If they beat the Ravens, we're going to say the same thing. They only beat the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. Yeah. But that's allowed. And that's the circumstance. And that's the game that we're betting on, right? The, the without Lamar Jackson game here. So if this goes to three, uh, that would be an indication that the Steelers are getting quite a bump in the, cause I've been upgrading the Steelers. They're up to a 48 right now. Mm-hmm. And so you do some quick, you know, listen, they're a 48. Baltimore is a 46 with Huntley. You get a, a point and a half or so for a home field advantage. And you can kind of see how we got to, you know, two and a half here from a market yeah. standpoint, but there's no getting the three unless you're going to tell me that the Steelers are above average at this point, which again, nothing's happened to the Baltimore defense. They should be able to, 
keep this game relatively low scoring. And once you get into a low scoring game and the sort of sneaky thing here is every time I bet on Pittsburgh, I am reminded that Chris Boswell is not the kicker for Pittsburgh. (laughs) And when you have Justin Tucker on the other team as your opponent in a game that could get very sort of 13, 12, 15, 13, 16, 14, right? Where those two points are really going to matter. Or if this goes to overtime or this becomes that sort of three point game, either way, like I'm hoping that Pittsburgh gets kind of overrated here or Baltimore, maybe Lamar gets officially ruled out and that's enough for a three to pop. At which point you would then grab the Ravens plus three and somebody even here sitting here with the Steelers even money or a little bit above even money on the money line, I'm going to come back the other way on the Ravens. Because again, that was just a bet on the idea that the line should not be what it was. And that line is not, it is not what it was. (laughs) If you you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. I totally got you, my dude. It will be a very interesting one to see for sure what this, this year's version of the Huntley Ravens will look like as we still figure out who the Steelers are. We've looked like a different team since they're by, but these two teams, a familiar matchup where we get to see the rivalry. Obviously the players look a lot different, but still for sure. It's me kind of hyped up for this matchup. Nonetheless, uh, the next matchup, not really that hype, but it's kind of this week's edition of can Matt talk Sheldon out of taking the chiefs uh, chiefs. <laughs> favored by nine and a half points in Denver. I am a bit confused about how this game isn't in the double digits because my question to you is how many points will the Broncos score? That's my question to you, right? Because here's the thing. The Bengals defense, again, we talked about it earlier, slowing down Patrick Mahomes. They still got to 24 points, meaning can the Broncos get to 14? I know that math isn't one plus one equaling two, but you know, we're at nine and a half and, you convinced me earlier on. I talked about the difference between nine and a half and 10. We're still under 10. I like KC laying the points, but I feel like I say the same thing every week. You can like edit my voice in. I like KC laying the points each and every week. Yeah. And every week they do not cover. Essentially. <laughs> now, obviously that matter. It depends on like what number you get, right? Because yeah, the closing yeah, line yeah. against the Rams a couple of weeks ago was hovering right around 16, mm-hmm. was 16 and a half. So obviously there was 14 and a half earlier in the week. So if you were, you know, early to early to rise when it came to the chiefs, then yeah, you ended up covering that game. But like, they just, I think the number's like two, six, and one. If you, I think if you give the push to that in that Rams game, I think the number's two, six, and one in their last nine against the spread. And so, like, yeah, you're getting killed, man. You're getting killed with these, <laughs> with these Chiefs. I hate to say this, and like, it kind of makes me nauseous. Okay. I think I like the Broncos in this game. <laughs> it looks, it, uh, I, I think get it. So, Sometimes it's like, okay, what's the matchup? Like, remember, obviously we're talking about like divisional matchups, et cetera, et cetera here, right? But like, I look back and I remember last year, this is kind of an obscure one. I think it was around like a holiday. It was like a standalone game in Denver. And Teddy Bridgewater either started and got hurt like almost instantly or was hurt throughout the week. And either way, it was up to Drew Locke yamans drew lock to be able to like ride ride the wave here with this with this team and yeah it was uh it was week yeah it was a week 17 game as a saturday sorry week 18 game as a saturday which i guess would have been i guess they flexed in games for the for week 18 on saturdays something along those lines anyway 
All that is to say, you'll recall like Drew Locke and Denver's offense was, I don't want to use the word cooking here because again, it was Drew Locke, but like it was pretty good. And it was a 28-24 Chiefs victory that the Chiefs honestly kind of had to like pull out of the fire late. Mm -hmm. And that Broncos team was week 18 of, what was the guy who had the fanny pack Fangio? Like that's the week 18 of the fanny pack Fangio era. And so it's not like this, you know, it's Drew Locke and Vic Fangio playing to a four point game with Kansas city who I believe, you know, Mahomes is playing. They needed that game for seeding. They're probably trying to catch the Titans for the number one seed. Now that's all kind of coming back to me. So all that is to say like, okay, we're replacing Fangio Okay, with Hackett, not the best, but like, <laughs> I got you, yeah. but like, it's that's a it's sort of a lateral move, right? Like, mm-hmm. at least he's, you know, at least the crowd isn't chanting down the the play clock for him. Um, and you're replacing Drew Locke quite literally with Russell Wilson, and yeah, it's been pretty gross for your guy, Russell Wilson. I'm not going to be able to sell you on the Broncos offense getting three field goals against the Ravens last week (laughs) and like whatever it was that they did against the Panthers the week before, or, you know, what, 10, 13 points against the Raiders even before that. I'm just saying like, I'm waiting to see if we get to 10 here. You talked about the nine and a half, 10 deal when it comes to uh, was Buffalo and the Jets. I'm the same way, only sort of the opposite, right? Like I wanted Mm -hmm. this to get to 10, so that I can, I shouldn't say can, or like I'm looking forward to in any way, <laughs> but like at plus 10 for Denver, yeah. like, yes, I would, I will make that bet against Kansas city because Kansas city never covers man. Like again, like what, and, and I expected them to cover last week when it all was sort of said and done because yep. it was just winning the game. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what they do, right? By and large, they just win the game. And I think they do win the game. If Travis right there. doesn't drop the damn ball, right. Or Mahomes. It, for once in a life in his life, he actually gets tackled, right? And if he normally, as he normally does, I should say, gets out of the grasp, he's yeah. able, you know, to potentially get a first down there, right? Like it's again, it's it's the it's the razor's edge of this league, man. Like mm-hmm. it's always one or two plays. It's the Jets not quarterback sneaking. It's Kyle yeah. Allen fumbling a quarterback sneak on theoretically the safest play you can possibly do, right? So yeah, all of this stuff is probably only going to come down to one play, but like the Broncos, at least because of that defense, as you've, you know, as you alluded to, right? Like they keep teams under 20 points and like, as much as we sort of respect, I guess the chiefs offense and the metrics all kind of look still pretty good. You see the graphic every week, but then you watch the game and it's not, they're not pulling away from the Rams. They're not pulling away and housing the Jags by 30 points the way they would a team like that two, three, four years ago. It's always just kind of enough to get it done. And I think this might be another just kind of enough to get it done situation. That just might be mean a 10-point win. So, like, I really want the 10 to be able to make that bet. But honestly, I would never bet the Chiefs minus 9.5 here because I've just been down this road too many times. I got you. Totally get it. Totally understand. And yet, we'll be back next week to talk about why I picked the Chiefs and laid the points yet again. And yeah. I mean, le- leaving out the fact that laying nine and a half points on the road. Anyways, um, let's keep things yeah. moving here as I will could I'll stop making fun of myself here for a sec. And let's move on to the Bucks and the Niners. And maybe we'll make fun of not Tom Brady because he's doing goat things again. 
twice <laughs> winning the game for his team on Monday night in a crazy, crazy game. But imagine this Brock Purdy yeah. versus Tom Brady. Brock Purdy laying three and a half points for the San Francisco 49ers. I know this sounds crazy, but I was kind of hoping for a better number for the Niners here because we all know I'm not a Jimmy G guy. So Jimmy G getting hurt doesn't really phase me at all. Yeah. I'm not like if I use your ratings, I'm not rating the Niners way less because Jimmy G's gone. Just not, I'm just not about that life. Yeah. So I'm going to wait and have to see Brock Purdy stink it up a little bit here. Before I'm like, oh no, season's over. Niners have no chance. Or like their end goal was going to be that much different because of Jimmy G. That is to say, I look at the Bucks. Oof. That team looks not good at all. Not from a coaching standpoint, not from an offensive standpoint. And they have Tom Brady. Makes no sense. But now you're going against the Niners defense. And we know what them boys are about. So give me the Niners. I'll lay the three and a half points on the road. I want to hear from you, though, about the numbers and where this line was pre-Jimmy G injury. Totally. And even pre-Bucks game on Monday night. Yeah, and we could do like our own part two or hour-long edition on just this game and the numbers and whatever. So I'll try to be as concise as I possibly can, <laughs> which is I think we all know. Like I'll start the clock. Yeah, not now. necessarily the easiest <laughs> thing for me. Um, okay, so when you you are bang on, by the way, but talking about the rating here because that's the, obviously the key to this whole game and the number, et cetera, et cetera. It isn't the BS about like Tom Brady against Brock Purdy and I'm getting three, three and a half points. Like, mm, wow. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like, for now, this doesn't have anything to do with the Buccaneers. This has everything to do with the 49ers and how they're rated in the market and how that changes under Brock Purdy. Now, obviously, the interesting thing is like we just watched it for three plus quarters. And it was like pretty serviceable, right? Yeah, obviously it got away from the Dolphins because of the defensive stuff that happened. But like the whole point of Can having- that's Jimmy G's whole career on yeah, the Niners. Well, it's the whole point of surrounding Jimmy G with the the Ayukes and the Debos and the McCaffreys and the Kittles, et cetera, et cetera. And the Trent Williams on the offensive line. And like, by the way, the playbook of Kyle Shanahan is- because Jimmy G is sort of the robotic, we, you know, we've always joked about like, don't make Jimmy think, right? If Jimmy has to think he's going to panic and throw it yeah. to the other team. Like when he starts rolling out and he just starts firing it, you're like, dear God, let's not left-hand interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Just a mess. Right. Where it's like, no, we want it snap, read, bang, gone. Right. Like that's what we want. And so if that's all we're asking out of Jimmy G, this isn't like replacing Lamar Jackson with like a, sort of poor man's facsimile in Tyler Huntley. This isn't replacing Tom Brady, for example, or Aaron Rodgers with a poor man's facsimile in Jordan Love. This is just replacing a guy who you're kind of ready to move, not kind of, fully ready to move on from anyway, mm -hmm. in part because like Trey Lance was really this sort of like sexy option. We're going to run with Trey Lance. He's going to get out in the, you know, out and scramble. It's going to like, it's going to add so much to this offense. It's like, yeah, but maybe the offense just isn't broken and can be actually functional with a pocket passer. Now that brings us to Brock Purdy. Who is Brock Purdy, right? If you don't follow college football, you don't know who Brock Purdy is. If you do college no, uh, follow college football, you know exactly who, who Brock Purdy is. Excuse me. This comes down to Matt Campbell. 
For those who don't know who that is, that's the Iowa State head coach. I make fun of Matt Campbell all the time because if you absolutely need a team to win a showdown game, that's a pick'em spread that is going to get them on the national radar, Matt Campbell is absolutely not your guy. <laughs> I thought that's where this was going. Okay. <laughs> well played. But if you need a guy who is a 14 and a half point underdog at Oklahoma who is going to drag every second of that game out and have your his team prepared to fight and claw with a team that just kind of doesn't respect them Matt Campbell is absolutely your guy the reason that Matt Campbell is thought of as a really great coach or was thought of for the really great coach is that he got a couple of players to go to Iowa State that Iowa State doesn't normally get you may be familiar with the works of Alan Lazard the Packers wide receiver. Mm -hmm. He was very good in college. Brock Purdy was at Iowa State all four years. He has all kinds of, ex uh, of experience. He has a better arm and a better concept for reading defenses than Sam Ellinger does. Speaking of big 12 quarterbacks who were there a long time, who are now sort of lingering in the NFL. He has way more experience than Trey Lance ever did who but you know basically during the covid year played one half of a game essentially for north dakota state and that was obviously after just playing at north dakota state not exactly you know the the fbs level right fcs yeah. level it's not you know it's not yeah. the big 12 for four years so brock purdy knows where to go with the football so when we're talking about the rating what was the rating beforehand when jimmy g was going to be you know theoretically healthy and in this game and what would the point spread have been well, that would have been closer to a touchdown, like okay. literally a touchdown, like seven points because of all the reasons that you said about the 49ers defense dealing with Tom Brady or more importantly, Tom Brady dealing with the 49ers defense. Andrew and Mann's left, which let's and, run the ball again on first down and, and doing all of these things with here's another random name, Josh Wells. Do you know who that is? That's the guy who's starting at right tackle now because Tristan Wirfs who was an all-pro, pro-bowl level tackle. Again, another guy who played in college for a really long time, top, you know, first-round draft pick, et cetera, et cetera. He's out. And so that's another piece that was a reason why we liked the Saints last week, because they were going to be able to stop the Buccaneers. And for 57 minutes, right <laughs> up until the point where Mark Ingram decided, nah, I'm good, maybe I'll go out of bounds a half yard away from the sticks. <laughs> and now you can beat up on the, on the Saints for deciding to pass on third and one and not go for it on fourth and one. Both of those, in the relative scheme of things, bad decisions, but not nearly as embarrassing as Mark Ingram a 10-year veteran something along those lines who should know better and like who apologized after the game is it's like what yeah okay now i feel so much better about it and by the way you can rattle you can work on the saints you can work the saints over because they didn't have that play called for alvin kamara for example instead going with ingram who had just come out of the game injured on the previous uh sequence so all that is to say, like, the Buccaneers here should be this dead and gone team. The Saints should have won that game and should honestly be sitting at home on their bye week looking at probably a division lead at this point. But they blow it so hard. They are now a fade until, you know, into oblivion for the rest of the season. 
And yeah, the Buccaneers get hope. And all these people out here who are like Buccaneers apologists and just waiting for the good game. Oh, the good, when we're putting it all together, the good game's going to come. This is going to be a team that we're going to want for futures. And like, look at all the value you can get on the Buccaneers. As if this isn't a team that just regularly puts up like three points through three quarters of football games. And then, and only then, relies on the greatest quarterback of all time <laughs> to get them out of jail here, right? Whether like whether that was the first game against the Saints, the second game against the Saints, the game against the Rams. And honestly, it should have been the game against the Browns. This is a team that lost to the Browns because their coach is a buffoon, by the way, who's punting all the time. But he's getting out of, out of jail free here because they end up winning the game despite the fact that he's just punting things left, right, and center, right? Like, you guys want to talk about the Vikings having this voodoo and being somehow 10 and two. How about the voodoo that the Buccaneers are and Todd Bowles are somehow pulling off to even have the record that they do, which is by the way, not very good. And so you can tell me all you want about how Tom Brady against uh, Brock Purdy and how like what a mismatch that is, but like best of luck for Josh Wells and the rest of that offensive line that is not remotely close to the offensive line when the Buccaneers were a good team, best of luck dealing with the 49ers defense. That yeah. made, you can say, Tua didn't have a great game, but honestly, maybe the 49ers defense had something to do with that, right? Coming off of a shutout against the Saints, coming off of four straight games where they didn't get a, give up a point in the second half. Like, how many points are the Bucs actually going to get in this game? Like, yeah. Can they crack 10? Are the 49ers <laughs> going to allow them to stay in this game to the point where they decide, okay, we're just going to throw the ball every time? And is mm -hmm. that going to work against this defense? Because it doesn't seem like that's a great idea with Nick Bosa and the laundry list of defensive stars that are on that team and healthy now for essentially the first time all season. Not necessarily fully healthy, of course. It never actually exists. But I look at Brock Purdy and I go, you know what? He really liked his uh, star tight end, who's actually been hurt all season for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Charlie Kohler, back with Iowa State. So if they have a meeting this week, which I'm sure they're having a couple, about solely which plays that Brock Purdy likes the most, I think George Kittle might be prominently involved this week. Yeah. So that, you know, if this was a team that was starting even Brock Purdy himself on another team and they didn't have a star tight end that he could rely on or all of the plays that start behind the line of scrimmage that the 49ers run, then I'd be way more worried about Brock Purdy and like what the Buccaneers defense can do. A Buccaneers defense that honestly, if Chris Olave can catch and Jarvis Landry can catch, like that game should have been over even before the time where it should have been over last game yeah. and Andy Dalton would have thrown for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns but the couple of guys didn't make catches that they normally can make like that's why this this Buccaneers team even has life at this point so three and a half sure this might go to three like that's where we're at here with the juice and where like we're seeing like Buccaneers minus 120 at plus three and a half like what are we doing here and yeah it's a different and i should say because like it's a different situation than we're making them a three and a half point favorite in all these games against the saints against the browns against the you know the rams for part of that yeah you know what i mean like it's a different deal being an underdog but like the 49ers are a different deal than the seahawks the browns the saints all of these teams that are not on their level even with brock purdy i think the 49ers gonna be fine in this game long-term depends on matchups playoffs all of that sort of thing right but like i just I, yeah i'll take the 49ers here if you haven't figured it out minus three and a half. <laughs>
I already have it minus three because people were slow on this before. Because I knew, honestly, like sometimes when you when you're making a bet on Monday night or for Monday night, and you go, yeah, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to play well against the Saints, and you look ahead to the next game and the line is available before that game starts at minus three. Like, go ahead and make both bets. Bet on the Saints plus three and a half. Bet on the 49ers minus three. And like, you know what? You might be wrong about the Saints bet, but like the line's not going to shift that drastically. And imagine it only shifting a half point just because I don't, honestly, I don't even really know. Like only a half point for the, for the uh, production that the Buccaneers put on on Monday. As you would yeah. say, miss me with that. This, this thing <laughs> needs to be five, six points. Yes, totally. We're both on the Niners minus three and a half. And in fact, I'm going to propose that if the Niners do cover, they should also get Tom Brady to finish off the season in a Niners uniform. But hey, yeah. story for another day. Quarterback Maybe leaves town match. Right? Hang him, hang him from above the stadium like the belt <laughs> and put a fence around it like a cage. I like it. I like it. The only it. thing I know about wrestling, cage matches and leaves or leaves town matches. I got to say, I'm excited for that game. Not so much about this game, so don't really need to spend that much time here. But we got the Panthers at the Seahawks. Seahawks at home, favored by three and a half points. Panthers coming off a bye. Geno Smith and company. I don't know how much I enjoy taking them laying over a field goal at home. That's a tough life for me. The Panthers... (laughs) We're looking good heading into their buy. So I'm I'm wondering how they will look coming out of said buy. Is it stopping the momentum? Is it a chance to rest and maybe get more healthy and build and yeah. add some more momentum coming out of the buy? Not really sure. But either way, I'm going to take the points with the Panthers at plus three and a half. That's where I'm at. What say you, my friend? Yeah, this was six on open. And it was one of those that like, I had this last week. I think it was the Saints and Bucks game, actually, where I was like paralyzed by how ridiculous the line was, and I didn't grab the six with with the Saints. Now, you know, you watch it go down. It went to four, three and a half, and you're like, okay, I still like the Saints here. Like, we still got to make this uh, bet. Certainly a plus four. Same sort of deal here, where it goes from six and it goes to four and a half, and I think there's still some fours pretty readily available, maybe a little juicing of the plus four and a halfs out there. So I made the bet at Carolina plus four and a half. Hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt me necessarily. Listen, I'm not gonna I'm gonna sell you on Sam Darnold at this point. Like I'm just not going to do that. I am going to sell you or unsell you, if you will, on the Seahawks defense, right? Like. I think we'll learn more about this and I don't think it'll affect the line, but it's the type of thing where like we want data points wherever we can get them. But I think we can learn more about this when we watch the Rams play the Raiders because we watch the Rams move the ball pretty well against the Seahawks and like give them a real scare as far as actually like winning or losing the game. And the Carolina Panthers defense is really good. Like it is really good and it gets tired when the Baker Mayfields of the world. And in some cases, PJ Walker can't sustain a drive for longer than three plays and they get tired and they eventually sort of honestly lose the will to live. So to speak in a football sense. And that's where it kind of falls apart. But this is the Seahawks. This is a team with a bad defense. This is very sort of falcony from an offensive standpoint. It's different from the Broncos game necessarily, but like from a defensive standpoint, Panthers are going to be able to run the football. That's what the Panthers want to do, right? They're doing this. Steve Wilkes is coming in. He's like, run the ball. And like, we're going to play defense because he's a defensive coordinator. He's not putting these guys in harm's way. But like Sam Darnold was connecting. 
he was making he connected on a couple long passes. I didn't think Sam Darnold had it in him. We had under longest pass completion. He told me to f all the way off with that stuff uh, in that game against Denver. Again, a good defense in a game that was pretty close at that point. So, again, I I can't you know I'm not dying to lay you know or take the three and a half when I've got when fours are out there or four and a half is is the bet that I've already made. Six was completely outrageous. And on the offensive side of things, like, yeah, it's going to be more difficult because now the Seahawks are a little bit more one-dimensional offensively because Kenneth Walker's injured, doesn't look like he's necessarily going to play. We're running the whole, like, DJ Dallas type situation, right? Which is, like, congrats on DJ Dallas from, like, making a career out of, like, special teams slash running back or whatever. But, like, the Panthers can shut that down. And so now you're looking at a one-dimensional Geno Smith. And as much as we're, like, all excited that Geno Smith is, like, making it work this season... Any quarterback in a one-dimensional offense is going to have some trouble here. And yeah, like the Panthers got their bye week, man. They should sort of feel good about themselves. And honestly, like they were probably watching that game on Monday night going, come on, Saints, keep us in the mix for the division title. And they might be sitting there going like, well, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to beat the 49ers either. And so like they might think that they've got themselves a chance here to get in the division. And God, I would love it if a 6-11 and team somehow won this division that would just be excellent even seven and ten i would take at this point um so you know honestly i like the i kind of like the panthers outright in this game i think we're sort of seeing the seahawks come down to down to earth here and as much as sam darnold on the road is just probably going to be a regretful idea um the panthers are doing enough or at least shown in one game with sam darnold and honestly games with pj walker that they're doing enough to not put it on either of those guys shoulders when they're playing a bad team so yeah give me the panthers here okay okay i know you like the underdog there interested to hear if you like the underdog here in the houston texans in dallas against the cowboys this spread is at minus 16. i know that's a lot of points and i know the cowboys put up 54 on sunday this is not the reason why i'm laying those 16 points with the dallas cowboys it's very rare you will hear me come on here and say i am willing to lay 16 points for sure but this is just out of my sheer disgust of everything about the houston texans yeah that's it i am even prepared to lose this pick just out of the sheer disgust of the Houston Texans. So I am laying the 16 points with said Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm openly excited about losing this pick at this point. <laughs> if it's just out of reach of my studio here, but my my podcast microphone, if that was there, I would I would if I could just grab it, I would bring it over, I would tap on it twice, and I would announce to the world that today I am retiring from betting on the Houston Texans in the 2022 season honestly if there's any sense in me probably next season as well but we'll see who their quarterback is and their coach and all that sort of thing yeah yeah it's 16 that's a lot somebody liked the texans when it was plus 17 and that's why this is down (laughs) to 16 i'm here to tell you like I think 17, 17 and a half was my number in this game (laughs) because we've gone into the depths of sub 20 with the Texans rating. And honestly, who's going to argue with that at this point, especially if you sort of come up with like the, again, sort of narrative concept of like the last week should have been the best version of the team. Now, not, I shouldn't say the best version because Brandon cooks was out and uh, Derek Stingley Jr. was out, and those two guys being in, again, maybe that move from 17 to 16 is with the idea that those guys are going to be back and you get the version of the Texans that it was least competitive with the Giants weeks ago. 
But honestly, Kyle Kyle Allen, how are they scoring against the against the Cowboys? Now, my problem with the Cowboys is from a rating perception excitement in the sort of industry about this team is are we not the least bit concerned that they were a two-point conversion away from being tied with the Colts towards the end of the third quarter in that game on Sunday night? Yeah. That doesn't bother anybody out there. Are we not the least bit concerned that they were, I believe, losing to the Giants at halftime? on the Thursday uh, Thanksgiving game that you and I talked about, like you would think that would be the game where given their Thanksgiving history of you know their recent history, that they would play a full 60 minutes. Yeah. Like nobody's got a problem with the fact that this team just kind of only shows up for a quarter at a time. What, you know, what if CD lamb doesn't go down or, or goes down, like doesn't get up off the, off of like use the ba- balancing off of a defender to be able to score that touchdown early in that game. Like yeah. what if they're down to the Colts and Matt Ryan doesn't have to drop back in the fourth quarter and try to force things in the air? Like yikes. So I mean like there has to be some concern about that. But it's not enough to get me to bet on the Texans. So this no. is Cowboys or nothing because I just don't see how Kyle Allen... Now, if Davis Mills ends up starting, again, maybe that's the move. Because when these moves happen, right? And again, it's a one-point move. It's not exactly like earth-shattering here. But when these moves happen, you do have to look at it and go, like, why did this happen? It isn't because like people just like the Texans all of a sudden. Maybe Stingley's back. Maybe Stingley and Cooks is back. Maybe Davis Mills is back. Who, again, like, I get... I suppose I get why you want to try Kyle and Allen out. Kyle Allen out. I, I don't... I actually I don't really understand why you want to do that. But at this point, like the Texans are pretty safe to just lose every other game or honestly like win a game or two and probably get first pick overall still. I I don't know. I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why Davis Mills isn't the quarterback here for the rest of these games. Maybe he will be by the time this game kicks off. Maybe that's what is bringing the Texans rating cuz keep in mind to move this across 14 for example. We literally just have to get from historically bad from a rating standpoint, 15 out of 100, to like 25. Like we're, we don't yeah. need much. We just need to get the Texans to their rating. Honestly, at the start of the season, when Cooks, Stingley, and Mills were actually playing in these games. But as it currently stands, no. Hard fast. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. As we head into Sunday night football action, we've got the Dolphins favored by three points in LA to take on the Chargers. I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to be the one freaking out here over the Dolphins loss. I think, as we mentioned earlier, Niners defense is pretty good. Miami's both tackles, offensive tackles being out. That kind of matters. Totally get that. Either way, find it tough to lay the three points on the road with the Dolphins here. I know the Chargers are a gong show. I get it. I understand it. But I always feel like these Sunday night games, for some reason, the Chargers show up. Not saying they're going to win. I'm yeah. just saying that they they keep it spicy. And yeah. if you're telling me you can keep it spicy with the plus three at home, home dogs, Justin Herbert, let's go. Yeah, and it's that type of matchup. It's funny because we've seen them match up against Kansas City, San Francisco, and like, okay, here comes Tyreek Hill and Mike McDaniel. Right? You know, like It's a little bit of Kansas City, a little bit of San Francisco in there. It's like this like pot of stew, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, 
obviously injury report report going to be a really big deal. And for both teams and the, the same unit, right? Offensive line. Cause we just talked about an hour ago when we were talking about the Raiders, we talked about the chargers uh, offensive efficiency. When Corey Lindsley is the center, he's got the protections. He knows he's taking the stuff off of the shoulders of Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. who obviously is naturally talented, amazing, and very good under pressure, amazing arm, blah, blah, blah. But like, it's the protection element that shuts down the offense for the chargers that and their run game which is basically horrific. If Corey Lindsley gets out of concussion protocol, now sort of the good news with concussion protocol and a concussion is like, oh yeah, most of the time we see a guy and he's like, he's in concussion protocol. Okay, he doesn't, he's not able to play that one week and then he comes back for the second week. If he's still in that deal as we get to Thursday and Friday, that's gonna be a really bad sign for honestly how severe of a concussion that is. Then you got obviously the two tackles for the Dolphins. And like that was whether literally a problem as in like they got to Tua or from a game plan and a, oh God, I don't trust the tackles to protect me on the outside. Like the Chargers have Khalil Mack and they have a pretty good pass defense and, and, and decent pressure and whatnot. So, and this isn't like the run down your throat type of team that the Chargers have issues with, right? So yeah, I like them plus three here. I'm surprised that right now you can get like a, basically even money plus three we might mm-hmm. be added to a three and a half i don't know that that's i mean that's a pretty big leap to jump off of three here but obviously see it's you know obviously it's going to just come down to who's available on the offensive lines for both teams because the yeah. chargers become a lot more valuable when those two guys or even one of the two guys is out for the dolphins and the dolphins become more valuable or at least the chargers get way less valuable if Corey lindsley can't play and, you know, yeah. you get excited about the Mike Williams is being able to play and some of these other sort of, you know, baubles, if you will, like the shiny objects. But when it comes down to it, the offensive line injuries to these two teams are is, are what going to stop them and what make them go. Totally get it. Totally understand. Justin Herbert, still Justin Herbert. I just like taking the points here in this one for sure. And two of uh, the coaching masterminds or up and coming masterminds in the NFL, so to speak. I'm saying that to troll off. Fourth downs, fourth downs, just going for them, both sides. <laughs> right? Tell the punter to go points. home. We don't, we're getting loose on Sunday night. And honestly, a really big high leverage game for the Chargers playoff chances, right? They could afford to lose the game last week to go to, I believe, 500. I think they're six and six right now. But this is the one that they absolutely have to have. I got you. I got you. One more game here. Monday night football. You got the Patriots in a pick'em game. Patriots minus one, sure. Against the Cardinals at home. I'm on the Pats. Um, I'm just trying to see. I feel like this Kyler Murray story, there's just going to be more and more and more to come out about Kyler Murray and just how much of a gong show it is. Like when you think about where we started with like the new contract and like the stuff about, you know, he has to play less. He has to learn the playbook. <laughs> like you yeah, think about where more. that, right. Study yeah. more. Like that was a clause in his contract. And we thought that yeah. was crazy and insane. And then now the season has come on and you have him yelling at coaches on the sidelines. You have him calling out his own coach. What, what was it? What was the exact quote? Remember he said in, in the post game that uh, they just were basically unprepared. Essentially they had no right. shot. Yeah. Like, and then you have Patrick Patterson. Patrick Peterson, pardon me. Peterson, yeah. It wasn't Pat Pat. Pat Pat's out uh, in some adult rec league out in LA 
you know, Orange County rec league right now, just raining threes on somebody for that is a great callback, Patrick Patterson. <laughs> wow, Pat Pat Patrick Peterson, who is a a vet among vet among vet, yeah. just feeling no ways about calling out Kyler Murray <laughs> publicly, which is incredible. Either way, I say all that to say I'm on the Patriots, but I don't know what's next in this Kyler Murray Cardinal saga. I'm surprised that we've gone this long and Kingsbury still has a job. And I, I, I'm just on the Patriots. I just can't, I just can't with the cards, even though I know I probably should be. Yeah, I get it. And like, I don't know that there's a good bet in this. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, good. And let's pick them. I have to write about the, this game by, you know, four days from now. So I'm come up with something, but I think the one thing to come up with that's different than the way that we sort of perceive the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two things, right? One, they just, they came off their buy. And so like, what does that mean? Like, are we expecting like Cliff Kingsbury to like have some like electric game plan coming off a buy? No, not really. But from a health standpoint, yeah. For the first time, I mean, honestly ever because of the nature of the transaction in the off season, Kyler has Hollywood Brown. He's got DeAndre Hopkins. He's got Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. He's got James Conner, who's not a particularly good football player, but at least he's, you know, they can hand him the ball, especially around the goal line. Like all of those weapons, particularly the ones that he can throw to, are all available to him for essentially kind of the first time. And, you know, of course, everybody's going to tell you the, the Kingsbury record after you know, a certain point in the season, right? And they're gonna be like, oh, he always starts out hot. And they're gonna start, and they're gonna, to add on, they're gonna add in the uh, Texas Tech uh, record. But the Texas Tech record included them never playing anybody in non-conference September, right? So they were always 3-0 and going into Big 12 play. Yeah. And they were also always, through, and honestly, I hate to say it, no fault of Kingsbury's, they were always a bottom tier Big 12 program, right? Yeah. Texas, Oklahoma, and then honestly, Oklahoma State and TCU and Baylor most of the time, all better. We just talked about Matt Campbell. We're talking a ton of Big 12 today, but like Matt Campbell in Iowa State was like better and honestly probably more well-coached than Texas Tech was. But the point is they were always going to have a bad record once they got to October and into November when he was with Texas Tech. And then you throw in last season. Well, last season's back half of the season involved Colt McCoy a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And we like Colt McCoy. But it also didn't really involve DeAndre Hopkins, who got hurt. And obviously, it didn't involve Hollywood Brown, because he was a Baltimore Raven. And it didn't really involve Rondale Moore either, right? And so, like, if I'm looking at it and just going, like, Kingsbury in December and, like, going against Belichick, like, how many times are we going to do the Belichick in a blank situation? Like, yeah, Belichick against every coach is going to be conceptually a good matchup until you actually watch the Patriots play and then you look over and Matt Patricia is signaling in plays and you know reading off his little menu there, which I think he might be ordering cheesecake later, but he is certainly not ordering up any good offensive plays or just act, ask Mac Jones, who doesn't seem to care for anything that's going on offensively. And when they asked Bel- Belichick, why not change the play caller? He didn't say, well, our plays are pretty good. We just need to run them better or like all of the other usual coach speak to defend his longtime, I'm not going to use the word protege, but assistant. He said, it's kind of too late in the season to do that. Like, that's the excuse for not doing it. It's just kind of too late. As in, like, we're just so bleeped that it's kind of just too late. And so we talked about how the Patriots defense had sort of made their metrics on all the quarterbacks that they've faced. 
and they did it. And then they hit, faced Kirk Cousins, and it didn't go particularly well. And then they faced Josh Allen, and it didn't go particularly well. And as much as Kyler Murray may have just been call of dutying the bleep out of his bye week, maybe he swung by the playbook. Maybe he got excited about the idea of a Monday night football game with all of these guys, all of these weapons that he now gets to play with here for a couple of games. And by the way, it's a team a collective that won on the road against the Rams a couple of weeks ago. And honestly was a two point conversion away from beating the chargers even before the bye week So they may not have necessarily quit. So like, and by the way, they're in the NFC and who knows, man, you might win five straight games to finish the season and actually sneak your way into a wild card because the giants and the commanders right now are tying each other and both sitting there going like, yeah, I'll take the tie because they're trying to hang on to or grab the sixth and seventh seed in the NFC. So like, it's actually scarily not over here for the Cardinals and they're kind of as healthy or healthier than they have been all season, which is not what you would normally have said over these past few years under Cliff Kingsbury. So I guess I did just talk myself into Arizona plus one. And it seems like I may have talked you into that. You definitely did talk me into Arizona plus one. And you know what? Anytime get to slander Mac Patricia, I'm here. Mac Jones is out here fully slandering Matt Patricia. So you know totally. what? Cool. Let's rock with it for sure. Um, on the Cardinals, pick changed. Cardinals in a pick'em. Cardinals plus one. However you want to phrase that. Let's go. Uh, another big week in the NFL. And as mentioned, from the time you listen to this pod to the time that the games kick off on Sunday. Lots will change, but where can the people find out more information and the education that they so crave, my dude? Yeah, at MRUS Authentic on Twitter. If you're watching this, it's been on the screen a lot. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, uh, the score, right? Everything I write uh, is over there. Um, put Set your alarms, your alarms, your alerts to betting news. You'll get all my stuff uh, as it comes out, basically, as soon as it gets published. Last week on the Thursday Night Football, uh, player props you know it's funny it's thursday night so the player props basically get populated on wednesday you look over the board you go oh what do i like here oh wow ramondre stevenson over four and a half catches he's plus 100 i would take that like i would take that at the normal juice of you know minus 110 minus 120 you go you write it up you send it in it gets edited our great editors over there they finish it up they post it the alert goes out and then obviously people have different sports books and some people go to their sports book and they see Ramonde street, Ramonde Stevenson over four and a half receptions is like minus 150 minus 160. Now I go over to the score bet and I go, Oh, nope, still not still, but it's only minus 110. A couple other sports books here in Ontario are minus 110 minus 115, something along those lines, very much a still playable bet. Then the game kicks off. And for whatever reason, Jones is not throwing the ball to Ramondre Stevenson. Oh my God. What if the people who just randomly took minus 160, just, you know, because they didn't have anything else to do, like, oh, are they going to lose, you know, basically a unit and a half because we got this bet wrong? And then the Patriots are forced to come back and it's dump off to Stevenson, dump off to Stevenson, and dump off to Stevenson. And no matter what price you ended up paying, we all ended up getting there. I think he finished with six or seven catches because of the last drive. But, whew, thank God. Point is, set your alerts. Get it as soon as you can get it. And hopefully your book has the appropriate price. And hopefully other people haven't gotten to it before you did. 
and move that price up. Not the saying that we necessarily move the price, but if I think it's a good bet, somebody else out there probably thinks it's a good bet who has more sort of market power, if you will. So you got to keep an eye on this stuff. I love it, my dude. And we do keep an eye out on the Twitter account for all the updates for sure. And of course, you can follow me online on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And of course, remember to like and subscribe and follow wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. You know what you can do for us? You can bless us with a like, bless us with a retweet, a share, all that fun stuff. It costs you nothing. It's literally free. That's all we ask, you know? I don't think we ask for much. Does that sound like too much, Matt? Never. <laughs> I mean, you're 28 games over 500. You had a better week than I. I went six and nine last week. People, listen, luckily my followers are so cool that they they messaged me like, hey, great job with the props. Like, ah, kind of a bummer on the spreads and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're out here 28 games over 500. That is, I mean, that's 20 units to the good if you obviously do, do a little betting math there. You're up 20 units on the season for free, complimentary. So yeah, I don't have a problem with any of those things. Tweet it, retweet it, like it, share it, tell your friends, tell an enemy, tell your parents. And maybe those are all three the same thing. Wow. <laughs> that got deep there. That got really deep. <laughs> Again, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I always used to say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the On Blast Podcast, NFL Picks Edition, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On Blast.